All right, we're going to start off with some scripture. Let's stand together as we read the word of God. It's been so good, actually, just to, to read out scripture together. So we're going to be venturing back into Romans chapter 8 today. And uh, so let's read this portion of scripture together, starting in verse 9, give you a little recap from last week, and then we'll get into today's specific. All right. Um, if you're new here, you could follow along on your phone, but you're going to miss the strategic breakpoints. And we're all learning each week how to do this better. So, all right, Romans 8. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Someone say, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, take a seat. Well done, well done. All right, we're continuing a theme this morning of life filled with the Spirit, the theme of freedom and life in the Spirit. Last week, we looked at four different evidences in our lives of the power of the Spirit of God working in and through us. God is doing some heavy lifting in the house, and we are simply engaging with Jesus and his word. Um, just this week, someone notified me that just being in this atmosphere the past couple weeks, that they were healed and set free from an eating disorder. <laughs> Hallelujah, Jesus. Another person was saying how God um, rewired their brain. They're thinking differently. They're doing patterns and behavior differently. Someone was talking about how they were going after an area of freedom and they just couldn't get free of it. And last week, something broke and opened up and they've been free of it since. God is just doing the heavy lifting. Isn't that what we're all craving? that we're not just doing good principles and we're not just talking about God like he's not here, but we're engaging with the living God, the spirit of God, the spirit of God that has set you free and is still setting you free. This is our God. This is good news. It's the beauty and the ministry of Jesus. And I've been talking about how God 
I believe we're in a theme in the house right now where God is moving us from being on the defense to being on the offense. It's just as a continued theme in the house right now, moving us from a posture of the defense onto the offense, bringing the kingdom of God with our lives, actually being set on fire, flames going out into your areas of influence in your lives, bringing the kingdom of God in and through your life. And so we don't have to wait years and years to get healed and set free, but God is determined in this house to get us to a place where we are fully alive in the sun and we can go out and be light in the darkness and see change in the world around us. Aren't we craving that in our lives? We don't want to wait till we're retired to be, to be healthy and, and healed, do we? We don't have time for that. You know, we are called to go out into all the earth and to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, to cast out demons. What does it look like to be a man or a woman who, who has such a rich relationship with Jesus and such a, an anchored identity that we're not just going out and performing, but it's an overflow of our relationship and connection to the Spirit? That's what we're going for. That's what we're after. And so the problem that I'm seeing in individuals' lives, because we got a lot of hungry people in the room. Raise your hand if you're hungry for Jesus. There we go. A lot of hungry people in the room. But here's the deal. We're, 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 we're still kind of in this war. Like we want to do good. We want to serve Jesus. But there's these things in our lives that feel like they're holding us back. These things that are tying us back. And, and we're trying to get free. We're trying to live in victory. But it's like, what is going on? I'm trying to give you my all, God. And so this is what we've been exploring in Romans 8, and we're chipping away at it. And so the Christian life is meant to be in Christ and through Christ in us. He is the power to change and transform. You're going to crash and burn time and time again if you just keep trying to live a good life and follow a bunch of checklist items without the Spirit of God. Sometimes he can use those checklist items, a little God-breathed checklist in your life. But it's that moment-by-moment living relationship, clinging to him as your source of life, that's really how we're going to do this without burning out. Galatians 2.20 says, I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. Do we believe that this morning? That's the Christian life, Christ living in me and through me. So if you're exhausted and you feel like you're at the end of your rope trying to do all of this in your own strength, this chapter of Romans 8 is a propelling of strength from God himself, alive in us. And I'm sure many of you out there are, are thinking, Tommy, I don't want to live an exhausted Christian life. I want to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. But am I doing that? And, and how do I do that? So we're going to look at five evidences of life filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you ready? Yes. To remind us a moment of what we spoke of last week. We, re we read it in the early portion of Romans 8. And God is urging us over and over again in this portion of Scripture. Don't live according to the flesh. Do you guys remember what the flesh is? An easy way to remember it is if you spell out flesh, F-L-E-S-H, whip off the H and you've got backwards, self. We can teach that in Sunday school and we can teach that Sunday morning. 
It's because you're living for yourself. Remember I talked about the me monster. You know, it's like the selfish cravings in your life. What I want in my timing, I want things my way. That's, that's living by the flesh. Self. And so this scripture says, don't live according to the flesh. Don't walk according to the flesh. Don't set your mind on the things of the flesh. But live according to the spirit. Set your mind on the things of the spirit. Walk in the spirit. But pastor, am I doing that? Am I being led and am I being controlled and filled by the Holy Spirit? Am I living a life led by the spirit of God? And I think one question that we have to ask ourselves in this journey is, if Jesus is your Lord, if you've, if you've made him the savior of your life and the Lord of your life, the Holy Spirit has taken up residency within you. You have the Holy Spirit, but the question is, does the Holy Spirit have you? And that's something that I think that all of us need to be asking ourselves this morning. So let's look at Romans 8, verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Paul, the author inspired by the Holy Spirit, says, you don't owe your flesh anything. Haven't you paid your flesh enough? If you're a worrier, haven't you worried enough? If you've been living selfishly in, in any kind of sin, haven't you been beating yourself up enough with layers of guilt? How long will you keep paying off that flesh? What has that done for you? The Holy Spirit working through Paul says, we aren't debtors to the flesh. Those who have turned to Jesus by faith, the blood-bought sons and daughters of God, we are not debtors to the flesh. Verse 13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Paul reminds us again, the path without Jesus is death. We are all going to die in these mortal bodies, but this is talking about how you're gonna actually die increasingly. Everything in your life will be death. You'll be dry. You'll become meaningless death. And you will die eternally, separated from God. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So how do I stop being so influenced by the flesh? How do I stop paying off my flesh? It's by the Spirit. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Yes, yes, Tommy, I, I want to do that. I want to live and I want to put to death the deeds of the body. Am I doing that? I want to do that. So here's how you're going to know. Five evidences of life filled with the Spirit. Number one. Here it is. Evidence number one. He's leading me. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Last week, we cracked open a, a, a new translation called the Missy Elliott version of the Bible. That's the flip it and reverse it version of the Bible, if you're not familiar. And the Missy Elliott version of the Bible in this passion, uh, portion of Scripture says... 
All who are sons of God are led by the Spirit. I just flipped it. That's all. (laughs) All who are sons of God are led by the Spirit. The original, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. See, it's, it's not heretical, I promise you. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You will live. This isn't just talking about eternal life, though it includes eternal life, though it does absolutely include that, but we're talking more about just existence. We're talking about really living. We're talking about that John 10, 10, abundant life in Jesus. Jesus has come to give life and life abundantly. So how do you know if you're experiencing that kind of abundant life? Am I living that? Am I walking by the Spirit? Am I allowing Christ to live in and through me? If you are, then you'll have this experience of being led by the Spirit. When we're not sure where to go next, we connect, and he leads us. When I have no clue what I ought to say next or how to respond in a situation, he fills our mouths with wisdom. It's that moment by moment walking in step with the Spirit of God. Have you experienced that kind of lifestyle? In my life, I've seen this in countless ways. It's it's building my own history with God as I grow in confidence, as I'm learning to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd. And trust is the fruit of this connection with Him. So each new situation that arises that's a problem each new mess that I face, rather than looking at that as a dismal situation, it's a new opportunity for me to turn to him, to connect, to let go of my own control once again and say, I don't, I don't have this thing in my own strength. This mess, this speed bump, this situation, this problem that I'm in again, I can't do this in my own strength. I'm gonna fun, fumble, I'm gonna make it worse than it already is. I need the strength of, the God in, of God in this situation. And so we pause. We pause in his presence and we connect and we listen in. Thank God we have him to listen into. How do we do this life without him? But as we do that, we learn trust. Trust is built through experience. And so that's what he's after trust in your life, where he can show up time and time again and show up as God for you once again. And you get to learn a new attribute of what God is like. It becomes your history with God as you walk with him moment by moment with the Spirit. There's honestly nothing sweeter than having that that sensitivity to his leading and the promptings of his voice, the leading of Jesus in our lives. It's, it's literally the sweetness of learning to trust in him, moment by moment. And as we do that, as we, as we learn to lay down and say, I, I, I've got to be completely dependent on you again. I've got to, I let go of the control here. And as we do that, your heart actually becomes sensitive to his leadership. I can't tell you how many times 
as, as I'm just attempting to pause and be sensitive to his leadership, that he'll bring someone to mind. You know how many times over the years that he's brought someone randomly to mind, and so I just send a, a simple text, like, how are you doing, checking in on you? And that person's like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. I was just about to go into surgery tomorrow and I'm just you know, rattled with fear. Or you know, just a simple, a simple message like, hey, thinking about you, anything I can be praying for you for? Oh my gosh, right now my marriage is just driving me crazy. I don't know what's up and down. You know, this is being led by the Spirit where God chooses to use us to bring the message of the kingdom in people's lives at just the right moment. You know, sometimes we're praying for God to break into our lives and he's like, it's the person next to you. It's your friend, it's your sibling. I'm gonna, I'm gonna use them. Jesus in and through his people. It's the Holy Spirit's leading. Have you experienced that kind of leading in your life? And, and maybe even as I'm talking, he's bringing back memories in your own life where he showed up and just through the sensitivity of listening, the power of God was released into a situation. So I wanna first talk about how does the Holy Spirit lead? How does he lead us? Number one, it's not sporadic, but it's constant. Do we have slides for this? There it is. It's not sporadic, it's constant. The text says, as many are, as are being led. This is an active, ongoing kind of language. It's not sporadic, it's constant. And I want, I want to spend um, some time with this, where we're, we're, we're connecting to the Lord, and, and he's actually speaking to us moment by moment, where it's less about... Um, it's less about having you do all sorts of things in your life, and it's, it's more about pausing and saying, hey, Tommy, in this season of life, I'm actually instructing you to, to push aside some of these good things that you're doing, and I want you to have a sharper focus in this particular season. I actually am gonna highlight a few individuals that you're supposed to pour into for a little while, and it, and it, it doesn't even have to make sense to to the natural, but it's tuning in to what he's saying and asking of you. Have you even done that this year yet? Where, where you've just tuned in like, hey, God, are there, are there specific individuals that you're asking me to invest in this year? Whether it's a friendship or it's mentorship, whether it's spending more time with family, it's just the tuning in to what God is saying and doing in your life. Maybe he's saying, hey, Tommy, I want you to, to invest a little bit in this coworker in this season. And you're just sensitive to that, to that leading of the Lord. Hey, I, I actually want to move you into this new position. Are you willing to be uncomfortable for a couple months as I move you into this new position? I have something better for you. Or maybe he's saying, hey, Tommy, I want you to to invest in a study of the life of King David right now because there's something in scripture in the life of King David that I wanna strategically use in your life. You're gonna need that. Are, are we living in a way where we're listening, where we're tuning in, where we're walking with him day by day? 
and not just going through, I, lo- I love a good reading plan. I-, I love the books that maybe you're reading, but are, are, we just, are we just going through the motions or are we actually pausing in his presence and living in that kind of relationship? I think it's a constant thing that we have to remind ourselves of. Leaning into his friendship. It's that nudging, the prompting, the leading of the Holy Spirit. So number one, not sporadic, but constant. Number two, the Holy Spirit's leading is corrective. It's not always gonna be just a leading away from something to make it easier for you. Did you know that? God's not necessarily just moving you around on a path so that's the easiest path. That's not what this life is all about. There's something about, even if God's leading you on a harder path, it's gonna be the right path, and it's gonna be the most rewarding path. His love is not a pampering love, it's a perfecting love. Number three, his voice brings counsel. How many times are we desperate for wisdom and discernment in situations? We, we can, in a moment, hear about a new thought, idea, a new person in our lives, and I think sometimes in a prophetic culture, we can be really quick to judge. You're like, I looked up someone's photo on Facebook, and I did not have good vibes of their profile picture. <laughs> I cannot believe that Anthony is even considering that witch, you know? <laughs> I'm going a little extreme, but uh, it's not too extreme, honestly. We think we have like this spirit-led discernment at times, don't we? But sometimes it's just judgment. But we have the Holy Spirit that gives us discernment, wisdom, and counsel. And as we wait on the Lord, because sometimes you're leaning a little too hard on that, that microwaved gifting of yours. I didn't mean to spank this morning, I don't know. But the counsel of the Lord, hey, God, I don't know what to do in this situation. I need your strength and your wisdom. And here's the deal, it might not come immediately, it might not come the next morning as you pray at night, but it will come. It will come in his timing. As you seek the Lord, he will answer you. If you get, if you get a, a weird text from someone, a weird message from someone, and it throws you off, where do you go? You don't go immediately to texting back, do you? You, you go eyes up, heart up. Okay, God, I, I really wanna respond right now. I need some wisdom, some counsel. And he might say, wait two hours. Don't text back yet. Connect with me, refine for a moment cool down, cool off, get in the spirit. And then you can actually write back to the person actually in a posture of love, not trying to prove something or defend yourself or whatever it might be. It's, it's that life in the spirit. It's as easy as text relationships sometimes. It's every part of our lives. Number four, his voice compels. It's a strong sense of urgency. Do you remember where Jesus' followers brought the blind man to him? There was, a, there was a Holy Spirit urgency 
to see a miracle in this man's life. And they brought him to God. The healer, let me bring him to you. This is a, an unction and an urgency of the spirit, compelled by the spirit. I don't believe that God is going to force anything against your will necessarily. You can say no to it. We're gonna talk about that later. There's a little thing in, um, in church culture where we like to say the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. And I, I do say sometimes, good answer, good answer. Sometimes the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, but he's the same Holy Spirit that knocked Saul off of his donkey and blinded him. He's still a man, yeah. That's right. But sometimes we want the Holy Spirit to move on our gentlemanly terms, don't we? Just a, Holy Spirit, just a soft nudge. Just, just take me by the arm like a gentleman would and lead me on. And sometimes there's this compelling of the Spirit of God that moves into our lives as well. His voice compels. So number one, am I living a life filled with the Spirit? The first evidence is that you are being led by the Spirit. Number two, he is giving me confidence. Verse 15, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. There it is. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. When Paul, when Paul's writing this, um, filled with the Holy Spirit, he loves to sometimes emphasize the negative first and kind of work backwards. So he's, he's saying, I'm going to first highlight what's not true to make that a flashing light so that it's brighter what I'm going to show you what is true. So he says, you didn't receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. He's contrasting our former state before Christ to our new state in Christ. So many people are in slavery and bondage to crippling fear. Are you stuck in a pattern of fear today? where you're, you're worried about your future? Am I on the right path with where I'm going? Am I able to get the gig that I need to be able to further my career? Am I gonna be able to find my spouse? Are my kids gonna be okay living on the west side of LA? Am I going to be able to afford a house? These are real life fears that some of us have outside the realm of the kingdom of God, perhaps. I'm, I'm afraid that I'm just misunderstood. I'm afraid I'm just going to fail again. There's these, these feelings of being trapped in crippling fear that just shut us down. And did you know that when you're in a place of fear, you can't even access the creative parts of your brain where the Holy Spirit is going to be speaking? But here's the truth of life in Christ. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. An accompanying verse, 2 Timothy 1.7, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Power, love, and self-control. That's what he gave you. And I'd propose that each of these is a remedy to a particular kind of fear. So in place of fear, the Spirit gives power. 
the Holy Spirit in me. I don't have to be afraid of what's going to happen to my finances, my career. I don't have to be afraid of what's going to happen to my health. I don't have to be afraid of, of the choices that my spouse is going to make that affect me, of, of the choices that my children are going to make that just grieve me, the economy around me. I don't have to fear that. I don't have to fear who's in the White House right now. Whatever the circumstances are, we don't have to be worried about the things that are outside of our control. I don't have a spirit of fear. I have the Holy Spirit living in me, and he has the power over circumstance. You are not a victim. And if you feel like a victim, that things are always happening to you, things are being done to you, things are outside of my control, and I'm not saying that that hasn't happened in your life. I'm not saying that at all to be poking at that. But we are not victims. We are not victims in Christ. And we're going to learn later in the chapter in Romans 8.28 that God is working and he's causing all things to work together for good for those who are in Christ Jesus. So that means I don't have to be afraid. That means that God is on my side. That means that I will not fear what man can do to me. God gives power over circumstances to get us through it all. But what about our relational problems? Rather than fear in relationships, God gives love. For God gives us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and self-control. Did you know that you can overcome anything that someone does and says by love? Anything. People are going to hurt you. Relationships can be extremely painful. But here's where God will provide for you a supernatural capacity to love anyone in any situation, no matter what. And I can feel a little bubbling up in the room because some of you are... Ah! Don't say that, pastor. Don't say that. Tommy, I, I, that person, I, mm. yeah, I can't do that. I, I can't do that. And I will respond to you, awesome, awesome. That is how you should be feeling. And when I make a statement like, there's nothing that someone can do to you that you can't overcome, smiling with white pearl teeth, there's nothing that you can't do that you can't overcome. No one can affect you in your life that you can't overcome by love. Right? Some of you feel that. You're like, all right, pastors, turn on that, that unattainable kind of scripture right now. But you got to let that simmer for a second. Okay, I don't, I don't know if that's true what he's saying. I don't, I don't think that's true. And it's not true, except by the Holy Spirit of God. It's your only option. And you don't have to be afraid of what anyone can do to you. So the Holy Spirit is the one that gives power for circumstances, and he's the one that gives a supernatural love for relationships. And some of you are thinking, that's great. That's great that the circumstances God's going to give power for, those relationships, yeah, okay, I'll get to the forgiveness someday. Someday I'll do that. Okay, I like what he's saying up there, but we'll get, we'll get there. Let's shove it under the rug for a second. 
But some of you out there are thinking, I, I have a hard time even looking at myself in the mirror. I am such a mess inside. My head is spinning. I, I can't get my life together. I, I can't get clear thinking. And so I, I am the one that actually feels like the failure. But here, here's the good news, that God gives us a sound mind, literally a controlled self, power for circumstances, love for relationships, and a sound mind, which is literally a controlled self. I talked about flesh, F-L-E-S-H, whip off the H, you got self backwards, and being led by the spirit rather than the flesh is a controlled self led by the Holy Spirit. The controlled self, a sound mind, a controlled self led by the Holy Spirit is what we're after. And if you've laid in bed and you've just been tormented, tormented, and, and you don't know if you're going to get to any kind of of scratching of the word peace in your life. I don't know if I'm gonna make it. Uh, you, you might feel like you are in the choppiest waters and there is no land in sight. You don't have to be afraid that you're gonna lose it. You don't have to be afraid. The Holy Spirit lives in you and he is calming the waters of your mind. Holy Spirit, come control the waters of my mind. I need your peace. I need a sound mind. I need your power, your love, and a sound mind activated by the Spirit in my life. And here's the thing, you might be going through a rough season. It might be days, weeks, months, even years. But if you have given your life to the Lord, it doesn't matter what kind of dry season you're going through, he is determined to work this kind of power and peace in your life. He is determined, more than you are determined, honestly. He is determined to bring power and love and a sound mind into your life. This is the ways of the Spirit. So the question on the table is, Am I living a life filled with the Spirit? Number one, is He leading you? Number two, is He giving you confidence? Confidence that moves past the pain and the fear and a hope for your future. And that's the other thing. You might be in that dry place where it feels hopeless and you don't see the land around you, but you know that the Holy Spirit is provoking hope in His children even today. You're in this building for one to hear the, the eternal truth of God. And even if it's covered up by a whole bunch of dirt and you're, you're almost not even wanting to hear this good news, the Holy Spirit's still working and rumbling under the surface, working your heart in the areas that are soft to get you to the place of a fresh resurrection again. In your circumstances, in your relationships, you're gonna begin seeing the fear shed and be chipped away at more and more as you're learning confidence in being led by the Spirit. And number three, he's drawing me to intimacy with the Father. 
For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. And to the Romans who Paul is writing, adoption was an enormous deal. You know, we think of foster care and adoption. We have our Western grid for what that is today, don't we? But at, at the time in the Romans, they, they would only have adopted the, the, the males who were buffest, smartest, most handsome, and the families that could not um, reproduce would, would have these elite brought into their families and pay a very high price in order to adopt them as relatives. It was, it was a... Um, it was a full-blood status of adoption that took place in Roman culture, only for males. And in Hebrew culture, we don't see this happening at all, but we see that God is the one who's adopting. And in Isaiah 43, verse six, the Holy Spirit speaks and says, I will say to the north, give up. To the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and I made. This is the will of, the, of God. And this is the picture of God as a father and the great adopter. And if you've been brought through, through faith to the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit, with an intimate relationship with the Father, the Trinity at play, then you've been adopted and you're at full family status. First John three verse one says, see what kind of love the father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Do you know the Holy Spirit is fired up about this? The spirit of adoption, he wants you to really get that. He really wants you to get that spirit of adoption deep within you. And one of the primary purposes of the Holy Spirit is to push you, to lead you, to woo you deeper into the arms of the Father. That's, that's the role and the working of the Holy Spirit, pushing you into the arms of the Father. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And we're looking at this word, Abba. Such a vulnerable term. This would have been actually pretty groundbreaking for the audience reading it because they would have, they would have looked at God. They couldn't even speak the name Yahweh. And here we have this, this change where Jesus is, is leading his people to say, Abba. Do you know that means daddy? It even feels, as a male... To, to be up here and to preach the, the word daddy is almost a little uncomfortable, isn't it? I, I can't remember the last time that... Oh, my parents are here. Hi. Here's, here's my daddy. My daddy Sveta. I don't, I don't know the last time I called him daddy. Uh, I probably won't start. Sorry. Um, I love my dad. My dad is like the definition of kindness in the, in the dictionary. But, but Abba, Daddy, it's such a vulnerable, intimate term. And here's the deal. If you've had 
the best of dads, the, the worst of dads, or anywhere in between, we have to hear this, that God is our perfect father. His son died to create intimacy between you. And the spirit is pushing you and nudging you further into the arms of a perfect father, that place of intimacy. And, and I know as men, it can feel very unnatural, maybe even as women, honestly. It can, it can feel very unnatural to even talk about this. And, and we're told sometimes to not let anyone see your emotion. Don't let them see your weakness. You gotta, you gotta hide it. Don't let them see you sweat it. But do you know that the Holy Spirit wants something very differently? Even if you can't trust your friends and those who you're most intimate with, you have a God who wants to know your most intimate thoughts. Even if you can't fully trust those closest to you with those big fears and those doubts, your heavenly father is the one you're meant to do that with, that exchange. He loves to hear from you and the spirit is trying to get you to the place that you're comfortable to come to him and say, Abba, I need you. Dad, I'm, I'm so lost right now. I'm in so much pain in this area. I'm just, your, I'm just your son. Right here where I'm at with all of my pain and my grief, and I don't know what to do, and I don't even have the words for it. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will even create groans within you when you don't have the words. And it's such a supernatural spiritual exchange of the deepest longing of your heart and soul before the Lord where you can connect in intimacy before him and just come simply as a son. It's the intimacy and the nudging of the spirit in our lives. And I, I really believe that rather than this being a form of like not manly or, or you know, you, you, gotta, you gotta be a leader, you gotta suppress these things. I think the Holy Spirit's saying, finally, finally something, someone's coming vulnerably before the Lord. Finally, someone's coming and just not, not responding in any kind of pride and just laying low and raw before God. Finally, someone is coming before the Father bare, exposed in their weakness so that his power and his love can fill your life. And if you're operating in the flesh at all, you may become defensive. I wanna do it in my own strength. I, I, I don't wanna get hurt again. I, I don't know if I can trust God like this guy up here is talking about. I, I, I actually wanna be strong. But the spirit is here moving and working you into a trusting relationship and intimacy with the Father. And number four, assurance of our identity. We talked last week about the, the core of our identity is blood-bought sons and daughters of God. That's the core of our identity. And verse 16 here says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. 
It's, it's none other than the Holy Spirit himself that bears witness this, this nonverbal kind of clarity within us. You are, are a child of God. I remember when I was in second grade, I received Jesus at a really young age. I wasn't even four, but I had, I had a, a God-given understanding by the Spirit of the cross and my sinfulness. I'm sure I was very naughty as a three-year-old extremely sinful. But listen, I, I came to the Lord and I, I love Jesus. And I remember when I was in second grade, I, I started having these little panic attacks. And in these little panic attacks, I was terrified that I didn't know God and that I might not be going to heaven. These panic attacks. And I remember I was actually, I think at my brother's soccer game and my, my mom sat with me in our old Volvo and she was like, oh my gosh, we gotta pray this through. Let's pray this through. So I remember in that time, I just was like, this is too much. And we just prayed, God, would you bring an assurance of salvation to Tommy? Would you just bring by your Holy Spirit an assurance to him that he's yours, that he's yours? Would you do that for him? And I remember just within almost an immediate state, it just went away. And I swear to you, I'm not making this up. I've never questioned for a moment since then. I have such a confidence in the reality of God and the reality of Jesus in my relationship with him. I've never for a second even doubted it because it's a supernatural move by the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so some of you, I want to even invite you into that invitation today. Some of you aren't sure if you're saved. And I want you to reread this passage at home. I want you to get on your knees at your bed, get on your knees for three minutes a day for 30 days. Reread this passage. Reread this passage. Get on your knees and seek the Lord and just humbly ask Him Holy Spirit, am I yours? Am I saved? Did you save me? Am I yours? Am I your child? The Holy Spirit will speak to you in that place. If you give him 30 days for three minutes, he will speak to you in that place and he will say, of course you're my son. Of course you're my daughter. And he'll begin to speak to you about his love and his affection for you. He'll begin to speak to you and call things to remembrance and say, hey, the reason you're feeling this right now is for these reasons. And I really wanna remove that from your life so that you can experience me even that much more. He is so good. Do you know how delighted he is that you would get on your knees and seek him? And maybe he's gonna speak to you and say, you haven't done that yet. You've been in church a long time. You've gone through the motions. You got a lot of church friends, but you've never actually given your life to me. And maybe right there is the place he'll begin to speak to you and say, do you wanna have me enter in every part? I'm good. Do you want me to be your God? Do you see how the beauty of intimacy can invite God in to do the work that only he can do? He's so good. He's so good. The Holy Spirit doesn't want any blood-bought sons or daughters to be wondering if they're family or not. 
And number five, he's reminding me of my true riches in Christ. Verse 16, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. If you are one of the blood-bought sons and daughters of Christ, you are more wealthy beyond belief. There is an inheritance for you that will never vanish. You are heirs because God is your father. And no, ma no matter what is going on here, no matter what, what your bank account looks like here, there is something incredible ahead for you into eternity, and you get to be a part of it. Our inheritance is a future glory with Christ, and it's including all of the rewards and promises for us into eternity. Into eternity. This is the goodness of our God. And, and as I close... I think there's those here today that could say that, that Tommy, I've, I've had times where I'm, I know what you're talking about, those seasons where you're so close to God. There, there's the, the fire and the intimacy. But lately, I, I haven't been there. I have not been there. And I just want to mention two things that are hindrances to the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Two hindrances to the work of the Spirit. Number one, it's when we grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4.30. A grieving the Holy Spirit. Grieving means a, a soul pain or an anguish. When we grieve the Holy Spirit, are we grieving him with a soul pain and an anguish? And, and how do we grieve him? Grieving him is by doing things that we shouldn't do. And the more that you do it, the less you feel it. And the less you do it, the more you feel it. So we have to be careful with the, the tenderness of our conscience so that you don't sear it. Oswald Chambers says, grief is a love word. You can frustrate an enemy, but you can only grieve someone who loves you. And the Holy Spirit loves you. Do you see the change from a God who's giving you orders to a God who actually longs to have relationship? Because in a relationship where there's love exchange, you can grieve someone. You grieve the person of the Holy Spirit by your actions. And that can hinder the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Number two, the second thing that we can do is quench the Holy Spirit. First, First Thessalonians 5.19, quenching. What's the difference? It's when we don't do what he's asking us to do. Quenching is when we don't do what he's asking us to do. We have to own our part. We need to say we're sorry at times. We need to go that extra mile. Okay, Holy Spirit, I'll do that. I'll do that. I've, I've been waiting. I'll do that. Holy Spirit, I know that there's a, that person at church that was driving me up the wall. We've had a little conflict and I haven't wanted to talk with them yet. And I know that you're prompting me to do it. Ugh, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> God, I have not wanted to call. Thank you. God, I've not wanted to call my relative. 
and, and have that conversation with them and apologize. I know I've done things over the years. I, I'm just not in a place right now to be able to do that, but I know that you're leading me to do it. Are you quenching the work of the Holy Spirit? God, I feel like you're prompting me to end this dating relationship because it's not healthy. But I, I, it's really difficult right now. I, I don't think you fully understand. Are we quenching the Holy Spirit? 1 Thessalonians 5.19. Grieving and quenching the Holy Spirit. You know, that, that's one of the... Up here, I have the fear of the Lord because I don't want to quench the Holy Spirit in the room. I, I don't want to quench what God is doing by putting a blockade in the river. I don't want to dam up the river of what God wants to do. And so even as a leader or leaders or a congregation, we can actually quench the Holy Spirit and what he's wanting to do. And in turn, that also grieves the Holy Spirit. But we get to live our lives open. Let the dam break in your life and just let him move through you. But it requires a sensitivity and a connectedness to his voice and his leading. So I want to end with this. What do we do about all of this? Holy Spirit, have I grieved you? Holy Spirit, have I quenched you? And if the answer is yes, this is our three-step process. How to be led. Number one, confess. 1 John 1.19 if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Did you know that you're not necessarily responsible for the things that the Holy Spirit doesn't bring to your mind or that your trusted friends aren't helping you see? It does require connection, but Holy Spirit's the one that does that examining within us and brings things to the surface. Write it down. Confess it, speak it out loud. Did you know that you won't, with that posture, there's nothing that you can write down or say out loud that God doesn't immediately forgive you for. It's an immediate forgiveness. He is so willing and eager to forgive his children. Number two, ask. Luke 11, nine through 13. Ask to be filled again. How much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He's saying, you live, Holy Spirit, you live in me, but come fill and flood every part of me. Come take over. In those hurting and broken places, I invite you in. Come and fill. Come and fill. It's the asking. And number three, believe. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. Believe that you will receive it and it'll be yours. That's a posturing of our heart to rest in faith and belief. Sometimes it, it can get frustrating because you're like, this guy up here is preaching and he says, just believe it. Oh yeah, that's easy for you to say. Cool, I'm gonna go home. Believe it, helpful. <laughs> but there is a real posturing of our hearts led by the Holy Spirit where we're saying, 
God, I'm having trouble believing this, but did you know that you have the faith of Jesus himself that's activated in you? And that you can connect with the faith of Jesus where you don't have that belief. Lean on the faith of Jesus. Believe. Take ownership. Let the Holy Spirit fill you in those areas. All right, let's go ahead and stand up. I know today was a little bit potentially heavier than the past few times I've spoken, but I feel, it, feel that this is so necessary. This is so necessary. Because if we're looking and we're examining like what God is doing in the church, what he's doing in Los Angeles, what he's doing throughout the nation, there is a theme of softness of heart There's a theme of true repentance. There's a theme of true going low before him so that he can fill us up, so that our eyes can go back on Jesus, so that our eyes can have that true focus that we were made for. And so this is all part of that story. We're letting him do that deep work within us. You know, we've had week after week of coming to the altar. And I I feel like it's honestly something that we should keep up, you know? But right where you're at, just posture yourself as a living altar before the Lord right now. We're just gonna invite the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do. Holy Spirit, would you show us the areas that we're grieving and that we're quenching? And he might bring one thing or a few things to mind. And I wanna just lead you through this and you can do this at any time. But what better time than now just to bring it before him? And just right now, we speak, Lord, we confess this as sin before you, and we choose to forsake it right now. Lord, I confess this as sin before you, and I forsake it right now. I turn from it. I turn from it. Just let the Holy Spirit's power come in that moment of turning. Lord, I confess it as sin, and I forsake it right now. And you can just confess that sin right now before him. The moments of fear, the the moments of shortcoming, the moments of impurity, the moments where you've, you've directly chosen to go against his heartbeat, whatever it is, we just give it right there before him. He's so willing to take it from you. He's so willing to take that load off of your back at the foot of the cross. And now we pray to be filled. He's your father and he loves you. 
It doesn't matter how you say it. Any words will do. Holy Spirit, right now, fill us. Holy Spirit, right now, fill us. Actually, can we just speak that out? I know this might be a little odd. Just right where you're at, just ask Holy Spirit to fill that particular area of your life. Holy Spirit, fill that area of my life. Just let it come. Just give whatever language you can bring out loud that God would fill that area of your life. Cleanse it, redeem it. Bring his power, his love, and a sound mind. Fill us, God, in that area. And now we choose right now in this divine exchange to believe it and receive. God, we receive that filling. We receive that power and that love and that sound mind. And God might even begin to speak to you through a vision or through the still small voice or a nudging of how he wants to fill you in that area and, and bring a strength in your ownership and belief of it right now. Lord, let that, let that permeate within, settle with us, work that into us and seal it by your Holy Spirit. And let us live in a place where we are led by the Holy Spirit with soft hearts, where we're willing to give our yes. We're willing to tune in and be led once again. So I pray, God, that in the, in the days to come, that each and every person here would move out of the realm that they've been in and into the realm of the Spirit, into the realm of the kingdom, into the realm of peace and righteousness and true joy. And would you just right now grab the hand of the person next to you? We're gonna give a blessing to the person to our right and to our left. If you're at the end, I'm so sorry. They're creative. There you go. No links broken. We thank you, God. And we speak right now just a blessing. Just even speak it out loud. Just bless the person to your right and to your left to be filled with God's power and love and a sound mind even right now. Power, love, and a sound mind right now. Power, love, and a sound, sound mind right now by the movement of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Out of the realm of the flesh and into the realm of the Spirit, the abundant life of Jesus activated. Do it even right now, God. We pray and we bless. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give God a big thank you for what he's doing? Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Amen.